Welcome to Meldon Law and Friends. I am Jeffrey Meldon, founder of Meldon Law, and uh, we are really excited. We have a terrific show for everyone who's uh, watching and listening to uh, Meldon Law and Friends podcast. Uh, before we get into uh, our special guest, I want to remind everybody that Meldon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators and because of that relationship, we get six tickets for all of the uh, uh, Gators sporting events, including right now softball and baseball. And uh, we're giving away a whole bunch of tickets coming up. So all you have to do is to go to Meldon Law Facebook page, and you'll see the contest. Let me run through them real quickly. We've got softball versus Florida State coming up on uh, April 6th. Uh, so jump on that one right away. Uh, we have six tickets, a set of four and two for that. Uh, baseball, this coming weekend, Arkansas is coming to town. Uh, we really would like to uh, have everybody come and see and support the Gators uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, uh, there are actually, I'm sorry, it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday um, are the, uh, the games against Arkansas. So uh, go, go to uh, Meldon Law Facebook page for uh, your tickets there to enter the contest. And then next week we've got um, softball coming up with uh, Alabama. Alabama looks like they're coming in on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So uh, lots of great stuff going on in Florida sports. So uh, support your Gators. They're, they're doing great, and they're fun. Go I'm, ahead. I'm raising my hand. I don't know if I have to do oh, that yeah. on a podcast no, or not. Yeah. Uh, I just wondered if I was eligible for the tickets, so uh, the, Jeffrey. That's all. So our, our first guest is Ed Book who wants to know if he's eligible for the tickets for the Gator game. And the answer is yes. So uh, if you will get with uh, our, our team member, Abby, later on, uh, I actually sometimes have a couple extra tickets that I use. So uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help you out. Thank um, you. Our first guest is Ed Book, uh, Chief of Police at the Santa Fe College in Gainesville, Florida, since... 2011. Uh, Ed also serves as the college's uh, emergency manager and on the behavioral intervention team and as uh, an adjunct ex uh, instructor teaching Bachelor of Science Organizational Management program and public, also teaching uh, public safety recruits. Um, Ed, you were uh, with the Gainesville Police Department for 36 years as a district commander and captain and uh, very much involved with uh, the Gainesville community in uh, making this the best place uh, in the world to live. Uh, thank you. Yes, sir, I have. I've so, served a long, long time. So uh, welcome. I, I knew Ed when he was uh, at uh, Gainesville Police Department, and uh, now he's at Santa Fe doing some great work. And, um, Ed, I wanted to welcome you to the show. Thank you. And uh, um, I, I know that you're running for city commissioner, and we're going to get into all of that. Uh, I would like you to talk a little bit about um, how, you got into, uh, how you got into being a police officer as a career and uh, some of the things you've learned along the way. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Uh, Jeffrey, and, and to be able to talk about what I consider probably the most honorable profession in the world, and that's law enforcement. And I know you read uh, some of my bio things, and I appreciate that. I've actually served in law enforcement 36 years, not 36 at one agency. So you gave me even more credit um, than I deserve there. But I have been in law enforcement with two agencies, Gainesville Police and Santa Fe College Police, both who have done some really good things. And I'm not doing those things. Uh, the, the, the people that I work with is a team. That's not a cliche. As a team, you work together as a team in law enforcement. You want to improve your community. You work with everybody that works at those two agencies. So I appreciate you mentioning those yeah, two. Yeah, well, it's, it is important that uh, everyone understand it's a collaborative effort. Yes, sir. So 
Um, so when you graduated from the University of Florida, and then you you went into police work, right? Yeah, it was kind of uh, it was kind of a coincidental thing. I was like, I would say, a lot of young adults, and that I was thinking, I want to make a difference. I don't want to have a desk job. Uh, I like to help people, and those are all things that people say, and and you mean. And uh, I graduated the University of Florida with a bachelor's, and really was unsure what I was going to do next. I was looking to be in in psychology. So I was looking to go to graduate school. And uh, while waiting to do that, I thought, let me try this thing they call being a cop. Let me try this thing, this police work, because that's exactly the kind of the ideals that I hold, uh, which is help people, make a difference, do things that are going to improve your community. And I got hired by Gainesville Police. While who I was, was waiting. the chief of police at that point? The chief of police was Waylon Clifton. Uh, wait, let me correct myself. Waylon was uh, hired and was not yet. They had an interim chief of police, Larry Gabbard. And Waylon was in the wings. And by the time I was actually a police officer, he was my first chief. So it was Courtney Roberts. He was out by then? Courtney Roberts had retired. Mm -hmm. And later I got the, the chance and the pleasure to meet his dad as a Gainesville Police Department retiree before he passed. Oh, yes, wow. Yeah, Courtney mm -hmm. and I were good friends from, uh, you know, the 70s. Yes, and, sir. Uh, he, he, was, he was quite a character. It, so was his son, and I worked with his son, Courtney Roberts, Jr., <laughs> at Gainesville Police, and he went on to do and is still doing great things. Well, that's great. So, so uh, you're a young, fairly young uh, person, and you, you go, what, what kind of uh, training, and what, what did you do first when you were at GPD? Well, so I wasn't fairly young. I was really young. That's the first thing. I was 21 years old. That's the, the minimum you had to be at that time. I got hired by Gainesville Police. They put me through a police academy right here at Santa Fe College. Um, and when I got out, I was working on day shift with what was the most senior police officers around the agency. And they would put me through the ringer as far as learning what I was doing as a cop serving uh, Gainesville communities. And the first places I was assigned, I was assigned to some neighborhoods. I was assigned to Duval Heights. Um, and got to see some really great improvement there. I was assigned to the Fifth Avenue and Pleasant Street neighborhoods, and I was assigned primarily to Southwest Gainesville and what they called Porter's Quarters, which is now Porter's Community. So I really got, I, and I made some just wonderful, wonderful connections, starting as a brand-new cop um, on the road. And um, I know you rose to the uh, level of uh, district commander and captain over the years. Yes, sir. Um, I got promoted a few times and got to do virtually everything known to man and woman in law enforcement uh, at Gainesville Police. Uh, a couple of really exciting areas. I got to manage and be involved directly with this, this youth comprehensive after-school program we call the Rikert House. Wonderful experience. And then I had a really unique experience working in a, in a task force on narcotics and organized crime. Very difficult area to work. A lot of good work is done there, but it's done behind the scenes. So a wonderful career, and I did retire as a district commander at Gainesville Police. So the, you mentioned the Reichert House. I know that's something um, that you, you're very fond of as far as uh, an example of the kind of um, uh, endeavors that can help our community grow. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience with the Reichert, Reichert House? Well, sure. So first, it's probably important that, that your viewers understand the Reichert House is a very comprehensive program for at-risk young men. And it has done some incredible, innovative things over the years. So it provides education, teachers to help with tutoring and homework after school, meals, mentoring, leadership, structure, these are the skills that if you want someone to be successful, that's it. And that's for everybody, not just at-risk people. And so that program, really, I had fantastic staff there, and my job was to make sure that they got the resources, the support, the monies, and the staff so they could do the job with what is roughly about 100 young men at any given time. And I would say that those three years in my lengthy career were amongst the most rewarding just from a standpoint of interaction with these with these, with these young men, incredible and meaningful. So um, if you were to become a city commissioner, uh, do you think you would want to um, uh, implement and expand programs like that? Yeah, you have to. So city government can't be everything for everybody. I think that's, that's one thing people look to. What, what city government needs to do is provide the infrastructure, provide the good roads, 
provide some fiscal accountability, and then provide the basics for organizations to leverage what they do. So I think what you may be talking about is provide them space, figure out some buildings, look for property, get the right staff in place, and then use the entire community to build that program. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly uh, have seen it work in my own experience. Where yes, sir. Uh, you get community uh, volunteers, com people in the community that want are willing to help out. They aren't looking for a job. They're looking well. They're looking to volunteer their time, their valuable time, on something. However, when it comes to okay, well, you know, how are we going to get money to rent the space? How are we going to get money to mm -hmm. you know get the basic uh, tools necessary to do things? That those are actually some of the biggest challenges that well-meaning people have when they try to put together some kind of a, uh, an organization to help really grow the community. That's, that's, a, that's a very good point. There is no lack of volunteerism or people willing to help in Alachua County and North Central Florida. That's what I found. I grew up in South Florida, um, and I, I just don't remember at that age, did, did that many people always be willing to come to the table and do things, but here, there's people, if they see a cause that truly is meaningful and make a difference, you've got the help you need. And that's clearly <laughs> the case here in Gainesville. No. So I've heard people say that South Florida has all the money, uh, but uh, not all the volunteers. Up here, we have all the volunteers, but not all the money. <laughs> well, you need both. Um, and we certainly have the people willing to get their hands dirty here. I'm willing to do that, too. So anyhow... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, out at Santa Fe. Um, what have you been doing out there for the last 11 years? Well, I like the fact that you said, what do I do? What's, and you didn't ask, what's my title? Um, because what you do is more important than what, what people call you. Um, what I do, I've been there since uh, 2011, got the opportunity to be there. And what I do is help create a safe and secure environment for our students and our staff and our faculty and visitors. That's what I do. My title, my title is Chief of Police and Emergency Manager. And you mentioned I teach. I teach our basic recruits, and that's fantastic. You get people on the cutting edge at the beginning of their career. They're passionate. They want to do what I wanted to do 36 years ago and, and still want to do. And uh, so I am an adjunct instructor, but I'm tied in to the college. Santa Fe does a lot of things for the community, and it's vast. It is, I mean, they, they have entrepreneurial programs, they have academic programs, they provide job training and career placement. Uh, talk about uh, a, a game changer, that's the college, and I'm a piece of that game changing. Yeah, I know that I've been watching what's going on uh, downtown. What can you tell uh, our uh, viewers and listeners about what's happening downtown? Well, so now remember, I'm the cop at the college, but I, and so I don't know that I should be revealing all the good details that um, the, the President Brody and the Vice Presidents, but I can tell you Blunt Hall is the three-story building that has risen at the corner of 6th Street and University, and Blunt Hall is just a piece of a much larger six-block campus um, that is our Blunt Campus, and why that, that is, I said the term game change, and I'm going to use it one more time, that's a game changer for Gainesville because you have something geographically located where anyone can get to it via mass transit, via micro-mobility, this thing they call those little scooters, micro-mobility, via bikes, bus, car, pedestrian, and they have a whole host of academic programs and career and tech and workforce programs that are going to be right there. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be very, very exciting over the yeah, coming years. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... I, I heard that there's going to be, among other things, a tech center, and that uh, the, yes, whole, the whole tech community that's growing around where Latchford General Hospital used to be and all over Gainesville now mm -hmm. uh, will now have uh, programs where people can uh, be trained and they can get continuing education. That's right. The, um, I, so I may butcher what they used to call it, but the center for innovation and entrepreneurial development, the seed used to be there. And that's what you're talking about, um, Jeffrey. That was your innovative educational and career, um, uh, career programs and businesses. 
and those businesses will still be housed there and getting all the help to be successful uh, down the road. So the seed now is a portion of what they call the Blunt Campus, and it ties right into the UF Innovation District also. Well, I'm very excited. Okay, so we're here with Ed Book, who is running for Gainesville City Commissioner. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back on Melden Law and Friends. We are here at the University of Florida, where Albert and Alberta are competing in the Gator Penalty Shootout. Albert is ready to stop the shot at all costs. What a disaster. Luckily, Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. If you have suffered any injury, do not worry because Melton Law is going to help you with your recovery. Melton Law doesn't back down until they reach their goal. We still hear it. The sound of victory. The joy of being part of something great. And while things may not be the same right now, we haven't gone anywhere. If you bleed orange and blue, then Melden Law is the firm for you. Welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Melden, founder of Melden Law. And again, we have got a lot of free tickets giving away for we're giving away for both baseball. Uh, the Gator baseball team is awesome. They lost a few games uh, this weekend, but uh, they will be back strong uh, and softball as well. Uh, go to uh, our Facebook page, Melden Law, and you will find all of the contests you can uh, enter. So I'm here with Ed Book. Ed is uh, a longtime uh, police officer first with GPD and then uh, uh, chief of police for Santa Fe College. Uh, and now I understand you're running for the Gainesville City Commission. Uh, did you talk to a psychiatrist before you decided to make that I decision? Had, no, sir. I had no counseling help <laughs> whatsoever, but I did speak to my best advisor, my wife. And I actually, because I'm at Santa Fe College and I have a full-time career, I spoke with the people that, that, you know, the leaders, the president and the vice presidents, because if they would not um, support me being able to do this, I would never do it. My career is still comes first, and I believe that being a city commissioner is critically important, but I, I also needed to make sure that they were okay with it, and they were. That's great. What are some of the um, unique aspects of your platform versus the other folks running for uh, city commissioner? Uh, it, it's a great question. I, I think probably the most unique aspect is it does not deal with a concrete principle. Um, and what I talked about, what I talk about is this concept of our ability to get along and civility. So what is the top platform item I have? It's, I, I think we've lost our way over the last few years. People are not agreeing to disagree. Often this, the voice turns into this, you know, physical violence, and we have got to find some common ground. We have to. And if you're in city government or county government or you're a school board member, what is your goal? Your goal is to improve the city. It's to make people be able to want to live, work, and play in the city of Gainesville. Well, that's a common goal. So let's find, let's be civil to each other. Let's be professional, let's be respectful, let's be courteous, and if there's common ground, let's seize that common ground to make those improvements. So my first plank, which is a little non-traditional, is civility. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. I mean, I moved to Gainesville in 1970 and used to go to city commission meetings on, you know, various topics and things. Actually, that's what convinced me not to run for public office because the, <laughs> the meetings would go on for five or six hours and I'd be ready to go home and go to bed and I'd go, oh my God, I can't believe these city commissioners have volunteered to, uh, you know, do this work. So uh, yeah, I, I guess you've uh, analyzed that and decided you're up for the challenge. Well, I don't know analyze is the right word, but I am up for the challenge. I mean, my wife, uh, I know a lot of people because I've been here a long time. My wife knows 50 times the amount of people because she's been an elementary school teacher her whole life. Um, and if, if they know Mrs. Book. So she's invested 
She loves this community. I do also. Both my kids went to school here. They're grown. They're a little older. I'm a little older. Um, one of them's a nurse at UF Health. One, uh, my daughter, is now in Tampa and has done great things, and we're invested. They both went to Santa Fe College. If you're invested in your community, I think you want to stay invested in your community. I'm not going anywhere. And if I can have a hand in doing some more uh, good work and collaborating and, and helping others do some good work, that, that's, why, that's why you live in a place you live. Uh, Ed, could you please uh, share with our listeners some of the uh, concrete proposals that you would uh, be a proponent of uh, if you were sitting on the city commission? Sure. So thanks for the opportunity to do that. So I, I led with civility, but then people want to know, civility is great, but give me some, what, what are the planks that help you do things? So one is just having really good roads and travel corridors. And travel corridors is not necessarily roads. Travel corridors means you need people to be able to move through your city via a bike, a car, uh, on foot, via mass transit, via micromobility. And so we have to have good roads and infrastructure. That's critical. Everybody knows that. So you have to support that in city government for the roads that are moving through. And there's some efforts underfoot to do that. You have to be fiscally accountable. You have to be accountable with the monies that are available to you. So that typically means for me, don't increase fees unless people vote for those increase in fees. I'm not going to support it unless voters uh, support it. Don't increase, for example, utility transfers. Don't increase them unless people vote that in. In other words, unless yeah, I mean, as a longtime member of the Gainesville community, there's nothing that uh, has been more um, difficult for me to watch than the whole thing with GRU and uh, how that uh, situation's mm -hmm. unraveled. What are your thoughts on what to do to deal with uh, what we, we have is high utility rates here? Well, I think one thing is is don't increase, don't increase those transfers that causes additional stress on the utility company and all the workers who are there because they do a lot of things for our community. It's not just power. It's, it's, it's wastewater. It's, it's all forms of utilities. But I think something that people forget is what are your other sources of income? And one is the mere fact that property values increase year to year provides local government the ability to have more money. So if you see that coming in, then start to think, if that's what I have coming in merely on property values, let me use that as an increase, as opposed to stress a utility company that then has to do some really unique things, including increase rates, to, to pass that along. Well, and, and you make a good point because um, higher utility rates typically affect people on the lower income scale more than um, uh, folks that have more um, adequate income. So if my, if my utility bill goes up, I may moan and groan about it, but it's not affecting my lifestyle. Uh, whereas a lot of folks, uh, the difference between you know $100 and $150 makes a big difference because they're living on a small fixed income. I, I agree 1,000%. So if I'm right, if I'm on fixed income in a house that does not have good, for example, insulation, it has flooring that allows power to, be, to, to uh, evacuate right out of us. I'm paying more money in that space and making less money to pay for it than, than myself, where I may have a house with excellent insulation and the most up-to-date systems that help run water and heat. And I think that that's something that's very, very important uh, for our community is we both need to provide uh, ways for people to pay less in utilities, but also educate our community and have the utilities help people who don't have the monies to make sure that they're paying less because they're in better space and that's a better living environment. Yeah, I know GRU has programs where they'll come and do an audit of your home and that's right. uh, suggest, okay, if we, you know, let's put some, uh, you know, uh, do something here, do something there, and uh, it'll reduce the, uh, the, it'll improve the efficiency of the existing systems. And then I'm, you know, our, our system broke, our AC broke uh, the other day at the office, right? So the guy's coming in and he's talking to me about, well, the new air conditioners are a lot more efficient than Absolutely. they were, you know, and it has a sear of whatever, 20 or, you know, that uh, I don't understand all that stuff. But I do know that uh, by getting more efficient 
uh, equipment in the, in your office mm -hmm. or your home, it, it can make a big difference. And that there's probably nothing that's been more controversial than what's gone on with GRU and, and the city of Gainesville. Yes, I think probably uh, probably a key aspect of something that goes on in the city as a whole is just making sure you value the people that work in those areas. So if you're a city commissioner or you're, you're a utility manager or you're a clerk of the court, these big high-level positions, then you need to tell people what they're doing matters because if they know what, what they're doing matters, then they're going to work as if what they're doing matters. And I think that's probably been something along the civility line also that's, that's pretty important. Yeah, so tell me some of the other things that uh, you think the city of Gainesville can uh, do better on. All right, so I think that we need to publicly support public safety. Now, I'm in public safety, so this is, everybody would expect me to say that. That's critical. But you have, you have fire, you have law enforcement, you have emergency medical, and those people are the front lines. Those men and women are the front lines of what we do. And they've been doing this work for a long time, and I believe the vast majority of the public supports what they do. This is about making sure that they know their work is so valued. So that's, I don't think that's revolutionary, but you have to do that at, at a city commission level. And then lastly, uh, you kind of talked about some concrete planks, Jeffrey. I always say you need to support core services, and I actually believe that good parks and recreational space and facilities is a core service. Not everybody agrees with that, but you want places that you can go to. You want a depot park, it's wonderful. You want a Northside Park with their new pickleball courts and two different playgrounds, it's fantastic. And now you have, you have a commissioner right now who's, who's kind of leading the way, Commissioner Chestnut, and says, we need to have this multi-use space and venue and recreational space out by Waldo Road or on the east side. And that's fantastic. You need that. You want people to go to places that are vibrant and energizing. Well, I, I agree 100%. Um, and there's a huge amount of land out there. There's probably 30 or 40 acres out there. It's a lot. That, that can be utilized. So we, we have the land. Uh, I think we need some uh, government grants in order to make it happen however yes, um, actually creating a, uh, a space where people want to go to uh, ha have events uh, I know uh, Mouse Holloway who's our track coach here mm -hmm. uh, has expressed some interest in helping bring uh, bringing events over to the east side of Gainesville for our track and field program as well as what's going on at the university and uh, other places. However, I think uh, what you talk about is critical to develop. Those are the kind of programs that actually help the community. They uh, increase the value of the property. They uh, create citizens within our community who are vested. And it's uh, it also, as young people are growing up, they will have a, a place to go to and do some very absolutely right happy fun constructive things you know uh, it's like oh okay let's go over to whatever they call it citizens field or citizens whatever mm -hmm. um, we've only got uh, a few minutes or a few seconds left here uh, I'd like you to just finish up by you know telling our listeners and uh, viewers um, what it is that you promised to bring to the city of Gaines. Uh, certainly, I, I thank you. Well, I'm always going to say I have always been professional and ethical, and I bring integrity. So what I say, I, I mean. And um, all you have to do to see if that's the truth is look at my career and look at my family and how I've lived my life. And I hope candidates, um, I hope people will consider me a worthy candidate. Well, thank you very much, Ed Book, for joining us on Meldon Law and friends, um, Ed and I have known each other for many, many years, and uh, I, uh, I look forward to uh, your candidacy, and I, I hope everybody uh, educates herself on uh, Ed's background because he would be a terrific uh, city commissioner for uh, Gainesville, Florida. We're going to take a three-minute break, and we'll be back on Melden Law and Friends. When you're a member of the Gator Nation, you know what it means to never back down. Melden Law has been a proud supporter of the Gator Nation since 1971. 
two forces that won't back down. As the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. Albert, Alberta, I understand you were witnesses to a crash. Can you tell us about the accident? When you're in a crash, it's important to get witness statements immediately after the accident. Whether you're in a car, truck, motorcycle, scooter, or even a golf cart accident, at Meldon Law, we won't back down. The Gator Nation will be the first to tell you that in all kinds of weather, we all stick together. Which is why Meldon Law is honored to be the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. We hope you never find yourself the victim of a serious accident. But if you do, our team is here for you. Gators won't back down from a fight. And neither do we. Gosh, I can't even believe this. Look, look what you have done to my truck. Excuse me, it's your fault, it's not my fault. Yes, it is your no, fault. Not, I am not. calling Jeffrey Meldon from Meldon Law. So I'm going to call Jeffrey, my husband. Meldon Law, this is Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! This person oh, here, my this person lady, he might... New client? Yes, but this one might be a little tricky. We still hear it, the sound of victory, the joy of being part of something great. And while things may not be the same right now, we haven't gone anywhere. If you bleed orange and blue, then Meldon Law is the firm for you. We are here at the University of Florida, where Albert and Alberta are competing in the Gator Penalty Shootout. Albert is ready to stop the shot at all costs. What a disaster. Luckily, Mountain Law is the only official warfare partner of the Florida Gators. If you have suffered any injury, do not worry, because Mountain Law is going to help you with your recovery. Mountain Law doesn't back down until they reach their goal. Gosh, I can't even believe this. Look, look what you have done to my truck. Excuse me, it's your fault, it's not my fault. Yes, it is your no, fault. Not, no, I am not. calling Jeffrey Meldon from Meldon Law. So I'm going to call Jeffrey, my husband. Meldon Law, this is Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! This no, person no, here, honey, this person lady, he might... New client? Yes, but this one might be a little tricky. When you're a member of the Gator Nation, you know what it means to never back down. Meldon Law has been a proud supporter of the Gator Nation since 1971. Two forces that won't back down. As the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> Welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends. We are here at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. Uh, these are not my helmets. Uh, they're the head ball coach's helmets, and uh, uh, there's a lot of them up here. Man, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. My, there must be 30 helmets up here. This is uh, an incredible room. And for those of you that haven't been to uh, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, it's kind of like our clubhouse now. We love it here, and uh, it's really fun. I have my uh, very uh, good friend, Ward Scott, here. Uh, how are you doing today, Ward? Well, it's always great to see you, Jeffrey. We go back so far. Uh, geez, I was uh, reminiscing on it, maybe 40, 50, 60. I don't know. I lost count. I can't keep track. But we've been around <laughs> town together for a long time, and... Uh, have uh, been in on some of the growth and change of this community, which has been alarming. Uh, when you look back on it, hasn't it, Jeffrey? And uh, 
But right at the centerpiece of all of it, Jeffrey's always been involved with promoting. I remember when you handled the Great Southern Music Hall, you brought the greatest bands to here town, and uh, he's still doing the same thing with his show, and I'm so proud of him. And the other thing about you, Jeffrey, that I really respect is how involved you are in the community. Man, you are everywhere. You're a big contributor. You're charitable. You give back. I mean, you've done, you know, you've done really great work for that man. Well, thank you, Ward. Uh, I'll give you that hundred dollars I promised you <laughs> for the plug. <laughs> Anyhow, so Ward's claim to fame is he taught English to Tom Petty and all of those great lyrics that came out of Tom Petty. <laughs> Uh, Ward Scott had something to do with. Isn't that the truth? Well, you know, looking back, I must have because uh, Tom was, uh, was a, as a person, of course, you knew him. Uh, he was a practical joker. He was a good kid, but he wasn't a flashy kind of guy. And um, he was always there, though, and he was always listening. Of course, I was an English teacher, and I taught poetry, and I taught all the great fiction and all that. And I have to think, as Jeffrey's pointed out, that Tom was listening to all this. And the thing that I think he has going for him, it's so strong, maybe you go along with this, his lyric ability, his writing ability, his songs just capture the pulse and the pace of life. And, you know, I have to say that um, back then we did a lot of that sort of uh, work in the class he was in, and maybe it stuck with him. I know he never wanted to miss the class, and I didn't learn this for years later. One of his, one of his classmates uh, let it out that his uh, job as a uh, Tom's friend was to make sure that he brought Tom a cup of coffee to be uh, awake in the morning to come to my class because he didn't want to miss the class. So uh, that was always interesting. I learned that late in life from his friend. And Tom, unfortunately, had already passed. But I thought, wow, is that true? He really wanted to make the class that badly? That's, that's something. Well, uh, you know what? I'll tell you, his lyrics, um, I've had more women come to me and tell me how much you know they his lyrics moved them and uh, oh. you know really uh, you know I don't know if it's if it's just women um, or men but uh, the, the lyrics that he writes are um, uh, lyrics that uh, are human and that uh, uh, you know when, when you were teaching uh, English and you know the great masters and poetry and things like that there there's certain expressions and certain words that reach our soul. They're called idiomatic expressions in English, and they are the way in which we as a culture happen to say things. Some of them are rather like cliches, you know, skin the cat or things like that, but they're a way we have of expressing ourselves that we've heard our parents say or our grandparents or someone, and he's picked that up somehow and made his original twist on it. Uh, Won't Back Down is an excellent example. Now, who would have ever thought would you? I would never have imagined this, and I know you've been very much involved in the music world and all this, that we would play that song, right, at a football game. <laughs> huh? Not only that, 90,000 people would sing you know, it. would be singing it, Yes, right? yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're talking about. I won't back down is really not what you call an original expression. Correct. But he makes it in an original expression. Yeah, it's funny because Meldon Law uses won't back down as a, uh, a theme for our law firm. And we, we honor that, and we, we fight for our clients, and we won't back down. However, before we started using that, we hired a copyright attorney. Uh, and uh, said, you know, can we use that? And just what you're saying is, well, first of all, it's an idiomatic expression. Right. And secondly, the copyrighted version of uh, the Tom Petty, Jeff Lynn song was, I won't back down. And that nobody can say won't back down is uh, protected under copyright law. Isn't that interesting? And we're talking about uh, how he was able to take common expressions, because it is a common expression. You've heard it a hundred times, you know, and make it his own and put a little bit of Tom Petty stamp on it. And he's got that free falling and all these things. I, I, uh, you know, I just think there was a gift. And, you know, we all know that he was very much influenced. His dad took him one time, I think, to Silver Springs, where uh, he, uh, Elvis was making a movie. And that is apparently the story. Anyway, it's the anecdotal. Well, actually, it was his uncle, Earl Jernigan. Uncle took him to see Elvis. Yeah, Earl Jernigan was working the movie set. Uh, I got you. Oh, for Earl, the camera. 
for the Camry. Yeah, yes. Earl Jernigan was a Camry guy because when we bought the Florida Theater and then started the Great Southern Music Hall, we called Earl Jernigan to help us explain what all this equipment was and what it could do because not only were we doing live performances, but we were doing movies Oh yeah, at yeah. the Great Southern. Oh, yeah. Uh, like harder they fall, and they, I don't know. We had some. We had Barbara Streisand's uh, uh, movie, uh, and uh, anyhow, we we had a good time with that equipment. So, but Tom Petty, during the early '60s, went down to uh, the movie set near Silver Springs in Ocala and uh, got exposed to uh, Elvis. And uh, really, I think that uh, kind of set a spark. Uh, in the young man, and he said, <laughs> yeah. this, it, "Being a rock star looks like it's a lot of fun." Well, you know, it's a funny story to that, and I'm not sure Tom was in the car that day, but there were other very talented young fellows around here, as you know. Um, some of them became part of the Eagles, and some of them Stephen Still. All these kids really were around, playing together and learning from each other. And one day, uh, a car horn honked, and I went outside my apartment, and there were a bunch of them piled into a car. If you can get the image of maybe a leg hanging out the window and, you know, all the suitcases and everything in there, and they'd come by to say goodbye. I can't tell you exactly who was in there, but it was the kids that I'd known from Tom Petty's peer group and all that. And um, I asked them, where you all going? And they said, we're going to, I'll never forget it, we're going to Hollywood to make it big. And I said, you crazy guys, you and the 5,000 other people, get back to school. <laughs> <laughs> That shows you what I know, right? And they tip their hat and says, well, you know, we're going to do this first. And I said, okay, I'll see you on the return. Well, they'll let you know that uh, what would come back. And uh, it, was, it was really exciting to be around them. But uh, um, Buster Lippum, of course, was an important part of it, as you know, the Lippum studio uh, uh, place there. Yeah, because the Lippums, if you wanted, uh, you know, to have a whole uh, – Band, your band outfitted with uh, not only instruments but uh, speakers and everything else, he would finance it. You know, he would finance it, and his yeah. kids always paid him on time. Yeah, if, if it was yep. two thousand dollars for, which was a lot of money back then, two thousand dollars was the equivalent of about ten or twelve thousand dollars, and he'd like, okay, uh, you know, put ten percent down, and then every every uh, week or every two weeks, you bring me a hundred dollars, right? And, yeah. And yeah. then they go out and they work their gigs and try to get that hundred bucks together, and uh, it it was amazing because uh, everybody paid Buster because they wanted to have good credit with the with Lippum's music. That's right, and they had good teachers there too. I've talked to the guys there uh, now and then when. Uh, of that era, and there were very good guitar teachers there, and uh, those kids knew that. Like Don Felder from the Eagles. Don Felder uh, was there. Stephen Stills would come in. Um, there were a lot of Bernie good, Ledden. Uh, Bernie uh, Ledden. Uh, yeah. And then later, Tommy Ledden. And, yeah. 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 No, I mean, Gainesville was a hotbed of music, and uh, for our listeners and the viewers, um, I am putting together an exhibit for the Great Southern Music Hall that's going to go in our city museum, the Matheson Museum, next fall. And we're looking for memorabilia. Uh, anybody that has a ticket from the Great Southern Music Hall or any other memorabilia, posters, or whatever, uh, Meldon Law is underwriting uh, this incredible collection of pictures that uh, John Moran, who's a famous photographer. Right, 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 right. John was... We gave him his first job, <laughs> and uh, he had just bought a camera, and he w he had a natural talent. So he bought, he had all these pictures. Most of them have been sitting in a box mm -hmm. for forty five years. And I started bugging John about four or five <laughs> years ago. I said, John, go. In. So he finally, uh, he's a nature photographer. So he's outside. He said the best time to get me is around Christmas time. So uh, one Christmas he called me and he said, Jeffrey, you're going to be so proud. I went and I found all these original negatives and I'm going to um, digitize them. Uh -huh. And they turned out great. So anyhow, so that's that's uh, a whole nother story. Oh, man, we've got so many stories. I don't I know, know what, what world we want to go down. Yeah, well, um, so for those of you that don't know, Ward and I, <laughs> we used to go on every Wednesday. We would go to the Outback and we'd hang hang out with our buddies 
and, uh, you know, act like, uh, I don't know what we would act like. Well, we return to our youth. You return to our <laughs> youth. And our imaginations. So, so anyhow, um, tell me what you're up to these days, Ward. Well, it's interesting that you bring it up. Of course, I got my uh, shirt on and my, my, my podcast show, but, uh, you know, I taught for a long time, 40-some years, well, I guess about 40 years at Santa Fe uh, College. Uh, started out when it was a junior college and it became a community college, and now it's a college and had a wonderful time there. Never felt like I was going to work. It was just a wonderful place. I was paid to read. I was paid to think. I was paid to write. And I was paid to share it with young people. What better deal is it than that, <laughs> you know? And so I had a wonderful experience with that. And lo and behold, out of that experience, I ended up getting from Santa Fe College, and a lot of people don't know this, the Lifetime Achievement Award, which almost never, and it may never have been, and still may never have been, given to to a faculty member. It's generally given to an administrative person because they have the time and ability and that's their calling to get things kind of achieved, if you will. Our achievements are in the classroom with our students and what our students do is a measure of how good we were. But this I got involved with because I was uh, uh, with a former student who became a, uh, a city manager uh, who's now the sheriff. Um, Clovis Watson? Right. He was, um, he was a student, and wow. then he was a, uh, you know, he was, it was an interesting story. He was being entertained at that time for uh, being the city manager of Alachua, and he asked if I would um, come up uh, to, the, uh, to, to say a few words for him at the microphone as kind of a reference, you know. The place was packed, and I said, sure, I'd always do that, I'd always help out students, you know. So I went there, and, and uh, after a while, I was also the president of the Santa Fe College Senate then. And so I went there, and I said, listen, uh, if you settle down the turbulence in your town, because every town has political turbulence, I said, I think you've got a fellow here who can help manage the city for you, and you be, do, do well to take a look at it, you know? And if you do stabilize the town, we'll bring a school up here. Well, let me tell you the story behind that before Clovis is ever even entertained for being... Wait, wait, Ward. Want to take a break? We're going to take a one-minute break, and then we're going to... This is the hook. Ward <laughs> is going to finish his story in 60 seconds. We'll be back on Melden Law and Friends. We are here at the University of Florida, where Albert and Alberta are competing in the Gator Penalty Shootout. Albert is ready to stop the shot at all costs. What a disaster. Luckily, Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. If you have suffered any injury, do not worry because Melton Law is going to help you with your recovery. Melton Law doesn't back down until they reach their goal. We still hear it. The sound of victory. The joy of being part of something great. And while things may not be the same right now, we haven't gone anywhere. If you bleed orange and blue, then Melden Law is the firm for you. Welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. We're here with Ward Scott, the uh, host of the Ward Scott File podcast. Uh, and you can check them out. Let's see. Awardscottfiles.com, uh, right? Right, right, right. And uh, before the break, uh, Ward was telling us about uh, our Sheriff Clovis Watson when he was just kind of getting started, I guess. Right. Well, I was telling him about what a lady, you know, as I was, uh, got the Lifetime Achievement Award from the college, which is seldom we give to him, maybe ever before again. I don't know. I haven't checked. To a faculty member. Well, you're certainly one of a kind. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. But the way it came about is after I went to the microphone that night to speak on behalf of a student, I said, uh, if you all stabilize this politically here, uh, we may bring a school here. Because Clovis and I had talked about having a Santa Fe uh, uh, college in Alachua, across from the Progress Center, and focusing on biotech. We talked about it, you know. Well, I didn't think any more about it. I sat down. Pretty soon I was tapped on the shoulder by a young lady who said, Can I, will you talk to me outside? And it was a, a reporter from the Gainesville Sun. And as I remember, I know it was a reporter. And she said, what did you mean that you would bring a school here? And who are you? 
And I said, well, I'm president of the Santa Fe College Senate, and I meant that if we get the right kind of relationship with the community, we want to bring an extension of a college here. Well, the kicker of this, Jeffrey, that nobody knows, is Jackson Sasser had just been installed as our president. Tyree had just moved on. And so I quick realized this was going to be in the paper, and I didn't, hadn't told Dr. Sasser. So I hurried to the phone. I got his wife on the phone, and I said, Lane, I said, I need to talk to Jackson. Well, Ward, he's in Texas. I said, I got to talk to him. Well, here's his hotel room number. <laughs> Give him a call. So I called him. This is, I'll never forget this. This said, is probably pre-cell phones when everybody yeah, had yeah. cell phones. Well, I, yeah, and I called him to, the, to his, in his hotel room. He, got, he answered right away. I said, Jackson, Jackson, it's Ward. I said, I just committed this to a branch of the college in the city of Alachua, and they're going to put it in the paper. And he says, okay, I'll back you up on that. <laughs> And that's how it happened. And look what happened out there. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that whole city, Alachua is a good example of a city that did everything they could to attract good businesses that would employ people. And the big thing is putting down the infrastructure in anticipation of the growth. And that was uh, Commissioner Lewis had done that way back when. He was a visionary. And a lot of people forget that, but he had put down the infrastructure so we had all the ability to grow. Nobody, and, they, and, and the city of Alachua would run it themselves, you know. So when Clovis did become the uh, city manager, I became the chair of the Economic Advisory Committee, which was a wonderful experience because then I got to really coordinate. I had a fantastic committee. I had uh, university people. I had people from Dollar General. I had people from, and I was the chair of the committee. And we put together a, a, a comprehensive plan for the city for economic growth. And nobody much knows that we did that. How, and, when was that? About how long? Oh, uh, that's probably circa um, early 2000s. Early because 2000s. if you look at how uh, the city of Alachua has grown, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Well, we planned it. We, 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 uh, we, we uh, mapped it out, and we had to wait because everything kind of revolves around time. But we knew we had the bl blueprint. We knew we had the footprint for it. It was just a matter of getting it together, and, and, and now we're getting it together. We really have got a lot of buy-in on it, and a lot of people have realized what we did, but they don't really know the story behind the story. But that was that component of that, planning the economic growth, and I was a chair of that committee that, that uh, took that on, and, and, and we put together a tremendous bunch of advisors. And I was flattered at the end of that whole session of doing it, uh, the head of the foundation who at that time was Bruce Delaney, said it was the best committee he'd ever been on. Wow. Because I didn't want to waste time as being chairs of committees. I want to get things done. You know, I'm not a kind of guy that we sit around, talk, 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 and do nothing. Let's, let's get it done or let's go home. we got something else to do, you know? You know, I remember back in the 70s when IBM bought 2,000 acres right. out there, That's three right. square miles. And yep. uh, everybody in Gainesville, we were thinking, like, wow, they're bringing 2,000 jobs to, uh, you know, Latchua County. And uh, whatever happened with that? Well, what did them in? And this is very interesting because I had friends who worked for IBM. IBM did not anticipate the PC. They had mainframes. They were all about mainframes. For big companies. Big companies, crunching data for big companies. And even at the college, we had big machines that crunched all the data for our student records and everything. And all of a sudden, here came this little thing that sat on your desktop. You know, what's this all about? It was called Microsoft, right? They weren't ready for that, and that rendered them really practically overnight obsolete, basically. They never carried through on their land purchases. So the land was sitting there already zoned properly, and that's why when you get these distribution centers to come there, it's all ready for them because we already had zoned it commercial in anticipation of IBM. So naturally it attracted, plus it's close to the interstate and all that, and, you know, the county commission fought us like crazy on that. But that's just a natural place for it to be. Yeah. But that's, how, that's what happened to IBM. Well, not only that, the city of Alachua realized that uh, they had this tremendous jewel of a piece of property, and that then they did something with it. And it took some leadership to get it done because there was a lot of resistance. Mm -hmm. um, the county was anti-growth, and we were growing, and we were our own municipal government with our own home rule. And we kept our, we stuck to our guns, you know, and 
we said, no, we've mapped it out, we've studied it, and it's our, you know, the territory of the city of Wallace was about the same size as the territory of the city of Gainesville. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. If you go to the 43rd Street extension, Northwest 43rd Street, uh, which, you know, intersects with 441, um, I think that's where the city of Alachua boundary starts. Pretty much, yeah, pretty okay. much. It's all the way down there. All the way down there, and that's probably eight or nine miles oh, from, yeah, yeah. from the city center. And then the city goes north uh, from there. So, yeah. I mean, it's it, Alachua, the city of Alachua is big. It's big. And it's going to be booming here, you'll see soon. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce is really taking shape, and it's got very good buy-in from new companies coming here. I'm familiar with one, for example, uh, that just up, relocated from Miami. Just had had enough of South Florida. You know, I can't take it anymore, the traffic, the congestion. I want to come. And we studied this. This is one of the things, that, you know, one of the things I taught at college was research writing. I taught fiction writing, a bunch of other stuff. And fiction writing's come in very good mm -hmm. in the storytelling aspect of being a talk show host. But with research, too, you, get, you learn how to find out what's so and practical and isn't. So almost... What now is done is data. Before then, we did it a hard, old-fashioned way. But we found out that these techies, these really bright young people who are the engineers of all this high-tech business, love pastoral settings. They don't want to be located in a city. They want to be located where they can sit and look out a window and see cows or see grass. And they want to wear jeans and a T-shirt to work because they really don't function on a clock. They're thinking all the time. We're talking about bright, creative people. You know, you're not going to limit them with a clock. Right. It's right. You know, it's not going to happen. Well, who is it? Mitch Glazer, I think, is uh, real involved with creating some new opportunities out there. So, and, and they're, they're going to be building apartment buildings so people can actually live out there um, with the cows. That's right. And you take a look at the setting out there. Now, we, we had a Chamber of Commerce meeting today, and one of the interesting things that came out of our discussion was we are trying to as uh, we're trying to seek the proper balance between business and country country life and business life and we don't want to get caught in the, in the bind where we just plow under the country land you know we don't want to do that because the country land is what draws us to this community and being able to look out these pastoral settings and and you know ideally too I was a ch uh, chair of the rural concerns advisory committee to the county commission for 10 years, which was a great honor because I was entrusted with the uh, priorities of, of the rural people in this county. And I was instrumental, instrumental in the IFAS Center being in Newberry. There's oh, a whole wow. story behind that. And I helped engineer that with Lee Pinkinson, and I put that together by having to be sure my committee supported it. And it was tough. You know, we, a lot of people wanted it on the east side and this, that. We finally got to put where it should be in Newberry in that pastoral setting there once again. So the IFAS Rural Center is in Newberry. The kind of tech center is in Alachua. So the whole western side is kind of all coordinated and speaks to one another and plans one another. So it's interesting things that are going on. We're trying to also, of course, protect the idyllic sort of setting of High Springs, which is getting its name from its springs in this ecological system, so we want to protect that, you know. So behind the scenes, I've been really involved with coordinating all these communities together because I was the interim city manager of the city of Archer as well. Wow. <laughs> so we're here with Ward Scott, and uh, I want everybody to start listening to the Ward Scott Files. Uh, his podcast is awesome. So what is it on Facebook, uh, YouTube? It's on those, uh, uh, I was, uh, those, I really got started on the radio, and um, you know, I was just talking to some of the people before I came on. The tough thing about doing what I do, talk show host business and political issues especially, is um, it, it's tough to create an entire uh, uh, show of that all day long. You know, Ward, I have to tell you, okay, we have got to uh, do a follow-up to this because we've only scratched the surface <laughs> so far and we've run out of time on Meldon Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Meldon. My esteemed guest is Ward Scott. Listen to the Ward Scott Files and uh, his podcast is fascinating and Ward will really keep you in touch with uh, what's going on in this part of the world. 
Um, next week, um, I'm going to be off uh, gallivanting around. <laughs> I, actually, I'm, I'm going to Lisbon, Rome, and Florence wow. for two weeks. That's great. And uh, I'm going to come back with all kinds of stories. Uh, my son and uh, Chris Qualman are going to fill in on my, in my stead. So thank you very much. Go to face, Meldon Law Facebook page for your free tickets for all things Gators. And thank you very much. And we'll see you next week on Meldon Law and Friends. We are here at the University of Florida where Albert and Alberta 